What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Hey, now, it's the Mike and JD Show, and I am Mike Gilbert, and I'm joined, as always, by JD, by God Oliva. How you doing, JD? I'm all right, man. It's Thursday night. It's 10.15 here in Illinois. I'm exhausted. How about you, man? <laughs> How's the yeah, islands? It's, it's 5.15 in uh, Hawaii standard time. Um, dude, I had a two-hour meeting today. Ugh. Like, uh, and I when I got back, I told my boss, he goes, how was the meeting? I go, it was, it was two hours. He goes, oh my god! I go, I was like, sir, we should really figure out a way, and the at least in the military. But I'd like this to go all the way up to the president that all meetings should be an hour or less. You don't have to have a two-hour meeting. You're not going to accomplish anything in a two-hour meeting. At that point, you're just letting people vent, right? Yes. Like people are just waiting for their turn to talk because they have something to say, but they rarely add anything to the conversation. They just want to feel better about themselves to make sure that their own opinion left their stupid head. People just want to be heard, and I hate yeah. them all. I had a, We have these new teacher meetings that we have to go to once a month, and I hate them. We get paid for them extra, yeah. but I hate them nonetheless. And last time, we had the last one, and this one teacher, she starts passing out papers. Can you fill this out? And I'm like, whatever. I just want to get out of there. And she's fucking walking around making sure we're filling shit out like a teacher. And I want to be like, the fuck you looking at? I, I don't want to do this. Like... So I get it. And that was only 25 minutes. So I couldn't imagine two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Two hours, man. But Hey, it's been, it's been a, uh, an eventful week, not only in the world of wrestling, but like politics, uh, football, uh, sports in general news. 
and television, everything. Uh, there's some stuff that we won't really get into, but I was just fascinated by just so many things that just happened this week. I, I like on Monday, like Monday is when like the, our top story, which I'll get into in a minute. That, that's when that dropped. But the same day, like, Tucker Carlson gets shit canned from Fox News. Don Lemon gets shit canned from CNN. Like um, now, within an hour of each other. With, within wild. an hour. And then later that day, Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? I'm expecting aliens to drop out of the sky. So, um, but that, you know, thankfully that, well, uh, not really thankfully. I kind of want to see that, see how that works out. But uh, I think Earth deserves a, an alien invasion with all the bullshit that we're doing <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, but, uh, man, our, dude, our top story. Uh, CM Punk shows up at Monday Night Raw backstage. So let's 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 double back a little bit. This is going to go back to our podcast last week. Okay, it actually starts with our podcast last week because this is pretty funny. We go on the air last week and we state that a meeting happened between CM Punk, FTR, and Chris Jericho. We tape we record Thursday night, right? We thought that that actually had already happened. And I, I had listened to all the podcasts during the week. For whatever reason, in my head, that meeting actually occurred, right? But as it turns out, it didn't occur until Friday. So as we were saying it, it wasn't true. But if you happen to listen to our show on Friday, then it became true. And we were the first ones to report it, if that makes sense. Did it happen on Friday? Like, I've heard so many, like, I heard so many, well, they didn't actually meet. Punk was in there, or like, I don't know, man, like the the, ch- the chain of command with the pro wrestling gossip links are so bad. Who yeah, knows when it happens? Supposedly it happened. Wade, I thought it came from Wade Keller. I could be wrong about that. So please don't cite me as a source, but I thought Wade had said that the meeting occurred between punk and Jericho on Friday. Um, and I'm assuming that happened in Florida because punk was in Florida, in Florida and, and he gets on a plane back to Chicago where Monday night raw is at. And he's on the plane with the WWE wrestlers because they all live in Florida. Florida is like pro wrestler heaven. So he's, he's mingling. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, the leadership there is bonkers, but man, no tax sounds pretty damn appealing, especially coming from a guy that currently lives in Hawaii and used to live in California. Moving to Florida sounds pretty damn good. But anyway, um, (laughs) um, so he gets on a plane to Chicago and he's on the plane with all the WWE wrestlers. They're mingling, hanging out, and then next thing you know, he's showing up at Raw, talking with The Miz, talking with all kinds of people. He ends up talking with Triple H, and then all of a sudden, he gets his ass uh, escorted out of the building by security, man. Um, so what was your initial reaction to hearing that Punk was at Raw this week? Uh, you know, what, what did you think about that initially? That's wild. Like, I just thought that is the craziest thing ever. And then, like, all the conspiracy bot- bots come out. And then it's like, well, why is he there? What's he trying to prove? What is his end game? Like, this is a guy who is a jerk who punched somebody. And people in our space talk about him like he's a goddamn serial killer. (laughs) Murdered 27 people and has the, like, he's John Wayne Gacy from my Illinois. Well, that's our serial killer from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That's our guy. My parent, my mom actually grew up in the same neighborhood as him. No shit. Did you, so did your mom actually meet him? Uh, probably he was older right. than my mom, but okay. he knew my aunts and uncles and stuff like that. Oh, Cause wow. he, they all played together. My grandpa owned the bakery 
in the neighborhood yeah. and my uncle and, my uncle marvel always said he was a dick who was the kind of kid who would cry and uh took his ball when when they went home my mom actually did know the final victim he was the the beggar at the grocery store that my parents went to so right. the last john wayne gacy victim was a kid they knew peripherally like oh yeah as a kid right. from the store Oh, yeah, because Gacy came over from I think Milwaukee and started a construction mm-hmm. business, and he was pretty successful there in uh, was. the Chicago suburbs, right? Was. Yeah, yeah. His sister, his sister, and my aunt were like best friends, and she had to change her name because, like, and they had they actually wanted to move to Florida because life was just so wow. bad because people would just not let go of the fact that her brother was um, our most famous serial killer. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I definitely would change uh, change my name. But if I, my last name were Brooks and I'm related to CM Punk because he pu- punched somebody, I'm not changing my name. Sorry. Brooks is common. If your last name was Punk, you'd have other things. Actually, it'd be pretty cool if your last name was actually yeah. Punk. It'd be like Terry yeah, Funk. Cool. Terry Punk. Yeah. So, yeah. like I was saying, um, I don't know, man. People like dig so much into what does all this mean? And we have – it's not weird that's that being on the out – I, I consider us on like the outskirts – of the pro wrestling space. Like we're not mm-hmm. really insiders, but we know insiders. Yeah. Right. And we hear from some of our inside friends, like that he goes there to make amends because he's this, our friend, our, nah, you know, our friend, we'll just say that. Yeah. Is trying to tell us that he's trying to get better. Right. And I'm the, op- I'm, and I told you guys in our chat, I am the eternal optimist. I work with kids. I have to believe that people, are willing to get better. I have to. It keeps me going every day. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. What do you think about this whole thing? Um. So my my initial reaction was, um, this was a legendary power move by an ultimate chess player, um, uh, because it still could be ul- by the way. Yeah, because he didn't. So in this whole situation with Tony Khan, he didn't have any leverage because Tony Khan never believed that he would go back to WWE, and that they wouldn't accept him back. And I think this was Punk's way of kind of extending an olive branch just in case this uh, new project, like he's returning to AEW. I think that's guaranteed at this point. But just in case this whole thing goes south again, he's already starting to grease the wheels of WWE because he has the wrestling bug. So I thought this was his way of telling Tony Khan that, hey, look, I am willing to go to WWE and I still do have friends there. And WWE, they took back the Ultimate Warrior. They took back Hulk Hogan. They took back Bruno San Martino. They took back uh, Bret Hart. They brought back Marty Jannetty 17 times. And Marty Jannetty was... killed someone. Jimmy Snuka killed a lady and McMahon paid them off. I don't think it's that far-fetched to think that CM Punk might possibly go back. He's by far the... like He's not even close to being the worst person that's ever worked there, right? He's a miserable prick. He's a miserable prick, but they I think they feel like they could probably make it work. So I I think that it was always like CM Punk wouldn't be willing to go back. Now, we, we do have a friend that says that WWE wouldn't take them back, but I think history has shown us that that just isn't the case. They always take you back. They always. have taken everybody back. Everybody. Um, so, yeah, but after I heard that you know CM Punk, maybe he was trying to make amends. And and here's here's my thing on that. Like when you're and I'm a guy who's worked the twelve step program, mm-hmm. and I had to make amends with a lot of people because I hurt a lot of people. Um, what you don't do is do that in in front of a big crowd where everybody's seeing it, so that way people find out about it. You call them on the phone, you text them, you meet them in a park or a coffee shop, and then you kind of talk about what happened. And what you do in that situation is is that. You go over them and you apologize for the things that you did wrong to them. 
Um, regardless of they did anything wrong too, you don't even bring that up. You just bring up your your side of the story and you clean up your side of the street and and you try to make them whole with that. Um, that's been my experience with that. Now, if somebody told them like, Hey, why don't you just go backstage where a lot of people are talking to try to make amends to triple H? I think that would have been bad advice. The better advice would have been, Hey, why don't you contact so-and-so who likely has triple H's phone number? Why don't you shoot him a text and say, Hey man, um, I'm in town. Maybe we can get a cup of coffee, right? Or something, something like that. I don't know if that's even possible, but that would be, that would be the better advice. I hear where you're coming from, but we're also assuming we're discussing normal people here. That, that's right? true. Yeah. We are talking about <laughs> professional wrestlers who yeah. don't know how to exist when they're not in front of people, right? And I think yeah. that when you're seeing, like, let's be honest, do you really think Paul Levesque is taking CM Punk's phone call if he just ran, it, uh, saying they have phone numbers? Like, right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've all. We always tell people that, like, you know, the best way to make amends is just to go up and talk to somebody. And he really just went up and talked to him. And it might yeah. not, it might have been a lot of things. It might have just been like, hey, because it's apparently he didn't know they were in town. He was just on a flight with these guys, right? right. Which is possible because, like, his life was taking him in different directions. And like I said, everyone flies up from Florida, you know? So yeah. uh, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I, I choose to think the best of people. I hope that he is trying to get better because, like, Quite frankly, pro wrestling is a better place with him, and and this dude is amazing about is amazing at keeping himself in the news. Amazing. No, he, I thought we were done talking about him. We'll um, never be and, done talking about CM Punk ever. Yeah, I mean, I I assumed we'd talk about him a little bit because I thought that last night. So we originally heard that May seventeenth was going to be the the night of the announcement for the AEW collision show that's going to be happening at the United Center on June 17th. So I I thought that we were going to get that announcement on May 17th. That we'd heard that a couple weeks ago in our in our group chat, right? We did. But whenever Tony Khan had a another major announcement or whatever he called it for last night, um special announcement or we'll hear something from Tony Khan whatever, um I thought they, they were going to do the AEW collision announcement last night, but they announced the Owen Hart tourney, and that's all well and good. I'm excited for that tournament. It should be a fun thing. Um, but, you know, collision still hasn't been announced, although it like it's the worst-kept secret in pro wrestling. It, it is happening, and apparently that's going to be CM Punk's show. Now, I don't know if, if CM Punk is going to be writing the show, if he's going to be booking, or if he's going to be doing whatever, but very much like – He's going to be kind of in charge of that show. At least that's what we're hearing from not only our friends, but it's been, you know, parroted by several podcasters out there. Well, you just jumped right into it. And um, yes, I was trying to think of how we were going to tap dance around that. But Mike just ripped the band right off. Um, rumor has it that it's the punk show, right? It's yeah. the show's not even official yet. Rumor is it's the punk show. And he'll have, again, whether he's booking, whether he's just the, the guy. Right. And again, Hogan was the guy in like mid eighties WWE, even though he was never the booker, so to say. Right. You know who was Tito Santana for a brief time? Did you know that? Yeah. So it was George Scott for a while. Then for I thought Tito had some. Then yeah. Tito. Tito had the book for a bit, and then it went to mm -hmm. uh, Patterson, which is interesting. Tito. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Um. Hold on to that one. So, um, <clears throat> apparently he'll drive one show, and perhaps as uh local troll rovert has assist has uh, insinuated that uh, Ro uh the, rovert is that that is that that trevor guy that uh, lives in ireland 
I think is that Stimming. His name is Trevor. Yeah. He's like okay, a I heard, I heard he lives in. Yeah, I heard he lives in a wood house. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, yes. So that guy has has insinuated that the uh, young bucks are the creative forces on dynamite, which yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I buy it either, but for the sake yeah. of the argument, I'm going to play along because <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> yeah, more okay. fun if we play. It's more fun if we play tennis, right? Right. And because uh, right. again, that that feeds the narrative that these two hate each other and they can't be right her. So they're going to be the uh, booking impresarios, for lack of a better term, for the yeah. two programs. Which, quite frankly, I don't hate the idea of on on. On the surface level, because I think if you're going to have two two-hour A shows, they have to be different. I think that's the mistake WWE made way too often over the years. Is raw? There's no difference between Raw and SmackDown. It's the same show. Well, it's being booked by the same guy, right? Exactly, exactly. It's yeah. the same they, show. They have, There's no yeah difference. So in in the past, um, I liked what they have done with Raw and SmackDown because they, you know, for when SmackDown was at its peak for me, as far as my enjoyment, was the early days when Paul Heyman was booking it, the SmackDown Six, and then I think I think Vince and Bruce Prichard had Raw, and then SmackDown was Paul Heyman and his crew, right? And then um, they were overseeing the. Um, I, I think Vince was kind of overseeing everything, but there was it was Paul basically having his ideas on, on SmackDown. I, I, I like the idea. It's got a message from a friend of mine who works in okay. WWE. So you continue that for just a second. Cause I want, I'm getting a scoop. Oh, okay. Well, JD's getting live. Scoop. Uh, hold on, hold on to the scoop because I want to hit the button, but I want to finish this conversation. Well, I'm not going to, it might take a while. I might not get the scoop okay. immediately, but you know, oh, I'm okay. To, oh, okay. I'm yeah, playing. I, I for the, I'm, I'm digging, I'm digging. Yeah. So Ro- Rover is speculating that the Bucks have been since March booking AEW Dynamite. I don't know that that's true. He is not—he's not a journalist, so he can just say stuff and be wrong, and there's no repercussions because no one takes him serious anyway. But there's been times when he said stuff and it ends up being true. So I don't know what to believe with that guy. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, it's true that you got the Bucks on Dynamite booking Dynamite, and then you got. You know, CM Punk, FTR, those guys kind of running the deal on on Saturday nights with Collision. I think I like that idea because they th- those entities have very different philosophies. Yeah. Um, like on Wednesday night, it's the Shawn Michaels crew, and Saturday night, it's the Bret Hart crew. Right. It's like Isn't more, that weird? more more modern stuff on Wednesday and lucha influence type stuff on Wednesday, but then when you get to when you get to Saturday, you're going to get Stampede, you're going to get Mid-South, um, and maybe even a little bit of ECW, that, that type of stuff, um, because I think they are, they're influenced by all that stuff. Um, so I, I, I find that to be a very interesting thing. And just looking at it on the surface, you know, if you're telling me Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart, I'm going to go Team Bret Hart every day. The problem is AEW Collision airs on Saturday, so I'm not likely to watch it on Monday morning, but... Well, let's say this were on a streaming service of some sort where one could access this footage at any time. Then it yeah. wouldn't be a problem when you watched it. Mm, ratings would be insignificant in a sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No? Hopefully they maximize their, their revenue by getting we on are, a streaming service. We are the worst. Um, <laughs> the worst. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. 
Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So anyway, uh, I like this idea in theory. We've discussed it with friends of ours who who have concerns, which is, you know, I get it. Um, yeah. From a pure, I'm a firm believer that if these show, I think the big problem with Rampage is one, what the hell is Rampage? Now it's a useless show and it's a dead brand. So now Rampage yeah. is not people like, oh, they have five hours of TV now. I'm like, they don't care about that third hour. They haven't cared about that third hour in over a year and a half. Who, you shouldn't no. care about that either. The company often tells you don't watch the show. So I listen right. to them. Save yourself an hour every week. Yeah. Like, I, so if you're going to have two different shows, they have to feel different. And that's been the mistake that I think Vince made over the years is like, and again, when, when, when they brought back the brand split in 2016, I thought SmackDown was the better of the shows, right? was the the Dean Ambrose show and the AJ Styles show when those mm-hmm. things first splintered off again. It was fun until they watered it down again, right? They just, they can't help themselves. So again, we, we tend to fall into history repeating itself and assume that, you know, the second ratings tick on one, you're just going to go back and repeat the other. But it's like, it doesn't seem like there's going to be hard brand splits. It's just going to be the main guys will be here and here on those shows. And there'll be some intermediate, some mixing between, which again, I'm fine with as long as they feel different. Right. Yeah. Which I think I'm okay with. And I'm, I'm, I'm more than okay with that. I, I, I like this idea in theory, but um, I think that they're going to need, I think Tony Khan's going to need some help kind of keeping all this together because like, it's a lot. Right. And I think that he's a busy dude and he probably needs someone to kind of help, help him keep this stuff straight. Like, uh, yeah, like a guiding hand, if you will, because I think that he just doesn't he just doesn't have the time to kind of oversee all of this on his own. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't create more hours in the day. And the guy's got 17 jobs, including like the Jacksonville Jaguars made a big trade tonight in the NFL draft. So like they're 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 movers and shakers. Um, you know, before we get to the next topic, um, I my question is so about punk specifically. Okay, let's yeah. let's not even talk about the Young Bucks today because I, I think they, you know, their track record speaks for itself. You know, Punk doesn't really have like a history of, of booking and writing television, right? I know he's probably had a big hand in all of his own programs, but I have not seen any evidence that he's capable of doing that for other people. Now he might be have been doing that for a long time. I just have never seen or heard it that it could be. So. You know what? What makes what about him makes us think that he could actually book a wrestling show that people like? And B, does he have the maturity level and the power uh, and the um, the leadership skills to handle that kind of responsibility of essentially guiding and managing the creative of talent? This is where the Mike and JD thing works for real because we got one guy whose your expertise in life is you know 
leadership and, and helping people manifest leadership. And mine really is focusing on, on creativity and what, you know, and, and you know, motivating creative types. Um, so I'm very excited about doing this here. If we are to assume that CM Punk played an active role throughout his career, the one thing you can say about him from Ring of Honor on is that he's done stuff that is memorable. From the summer of the original summer of punk angle in Ring of Honor, which again was booked by Gabe Sapolsky, but I'm I'm of the mind that Punk had a firm hand in helping shape that. Right. All the way up to, I'll be honest with you, 2021 into early 2022 was some of my favorite professional wrestling in years. And a lot of that was because of what CM Punk was doing. Like the CM Punk MJF storyline, and before that, the CM Punk Eddie Kingston storyline were absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating television. I absolutely loved the Punk MJF feud. And unfortunately, it got derailed because of the real life bullshit, right? Yeah. But the reality is what happened on TV was really good writing, really good storytelling. You and I had a conversation uh, via text message earlier today, and you sent me – do you remember what you sent me? Oh, I sent you a lot today. <laughs> you did, but the one, the one that got me going because you got me all inspired today, and I was like – you sent me an old video. Do you remember what it was? Oh, yeah. yeah so Lance Storm quote t- tweeted – so um, I'm pulling it up on my phone right now. So the Public Please. Enemies podcast. So it was a video of JBL and Eddie Guerrero's feud back in the day, um, which I loved their matches, by the way. I thought their matches were Matches fantastic. were good, yeah. Um, and J- JBL, uh, in an effort to get under Eddie Guerrero's skin, went to South Texas at the border and found some illegal immigrants coming across the border and kicked them out of the country uh, in an effort to get heat. Um, and Public Enemies podcast and how WWE didn't get sued after the segment was beyond me. And then Lance Storm said, you're welcome to think it's bad television. I think we can all agree that was pretty, pretty bad TV. But it's a TV show. You know, Dexter was a babyface serial killer, right? And that was, that, was, that was his tweet. And then I sent that to you for your thoughts. You did, and, and it really got me going because like, it got me thinking about this whole thing because we were talking about this before about how um, – wrestling characters are held to and this is your words not mine so if i'm paraphrasing you if i'm taking it out please correct wrestling television and characters are held to a higher degree of um sanctity than other forms of fictional entertainment is that something close to what you said yes yes because you can't you can't have like a racist character in wrestling you can't you can't have that stuff not anymore no you can't in, like say like and and, I, and I, I'm not advocating that we should have these things right, but pro wrestling is very much scripted, written television with fictional characters playing part on TV, right? But only in wrestling can you not have like you know serial killers, murderers, rapists, racists, gang members, you know terrorists. Uh, you can't you can't have those characters in pro wrestling. It just doesn't work, despite the fact that it's written scripted entertainment. Um, and I, I'm like, my question isn't, should they, or shouldn't they be allowed to do that? My question is why, what, why is it that people hold pro wrestling characters? Pro wrestling is the lowest form of scripted entertainment. It gets the least amount of respect from advertisers, from TV execs, from all that, but the, but it's characters are held to a higher standard. And I just find that to be fascinating. I think you're right. And this, you, you asked me this when I was driving home from my chiropractor today, and I live 90 minutes from my chiropractor. 
So I had some time oh, wow. to think about this. Yeah, it's this guy. <laughs> I've had the same guy for 20 years, and I've moved west, and he's moved east. I got a bad neck, so I want to see the same guy. Anyway, so I'm thinking about this the whole way home, and I got really, I got really going on this. And it got to the point where when I was getting into uh, being an independent author, one of the most important lessons they told you is you have to understand the genre you're writing in, and you have to understand the expectations of the reader. And if you don't live up to their expectations, you're going to get a bad review, which is, again, yeah. in, in this business is like that you don't want bad reviews. So right. it causes a lot of people to really stay in these specific parameters. And I always said that's such bullshit. I hate that. It's like you have to write A, you have to write B. You can't color outside the lines or people freak out about it. As a guy who's colored outside the lines, it, it I've seen that people – don't react well sometimes. And I think that, like you said, pro wrestling is the ELCD. It is the lowest common denominator. And I think part of it too is the fan base has this. I think a lot of us are still kind of embarrassed that we watch pro wrestling, right? Like mm. we know it's stupid. And then when they do something stupid, a lot of people who don't like go, look, team, you guys are trash. And then right. we get like, a lot of people get super defensive about it, right? Because we mm. don't want to believe that we like trash, even though we all secretly are embarrassed by the fact that we kind of like trash. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so it creates this overreaction, but at the same time, they feed us trash, right? They don't, they don't, they always pick, especially WWE, but they're not the only ones guilty. It's like, this is pro wrestling in general. They always pick the low hanging fruit. And the reason, okay, I was thinking about this. The reason why is because pro wrestling, it's like Kabuki theater. It's this very big performance, right? It's a performance art that's very, that's, that's not subtle, right? You have to play to the cheap seats and you can't, you can't be subtle when you're doing that. You can't have Dexter, right? You can't have this super nuanced character that has these layers because that's just not what people go to pro wrestling and expect. Now, it's weird right. because New Japan exists in this world where everybody kind of is in the gray. Like there's not true faces. There's not true heels. Anybody can can fight anybody, and everybody kind of exists on that same level of gray. Some people are more toward the black. Some people push more toward the white. But everybody's kind of in the same spot. Whereas traditional American wrestling, we're very much these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But it's also limiting, and like it's it's really hard to create subtle characters. It's difficult to the point where I don't I I can only think of a handful of times that it's been done effectively. And when you can't play those subtle lines where you can't, you can't have your kick. Cause one, these guys aren't actors, right? They're wrestlers. They want to wrestle. The ones that are good at acting kind of wind up making their way into acting. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Yeah. So the WWE has for decades tried to figure out how to do this. So what do they do is they give these guys, these soliloquies to perform and nine times out of 10, they're bad. They're bad. They're not good. It's not what people are trying to do. And AEW has been doing it lately, too. So you get this clusterfuck four-pillar storyline, which, boy, have they just bastardized that term. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's just not it's just not what pro wrestling is. It doesn't work. And you can't 
you can't hold the care you cannot hold those characters to that same thing when you try and when you try like the, the jb what do we remember about jbl and eddie guerrero we remember that match that he had where he's bleeding oh, all over the beautiful place. match yeah. that's what pro wrestling is nobody i completely forgot about that dumbass thing with jbl and you know the illegal aliens it's stupid it's absolutely stupid it's sophomore it's base it's very the base. It's the, it's the worst thing you could possibly see. But we don't remember that. We remember the match, right? Yeah. WWE for decades has been so into trying to create these things that get people talking. Ooh, controversy. Ooh, ooh let's get controversial. But that's not, that's not what connects to people. It's always, always that personal emotion of I don't like you. You don't like me. And that's what I really liked about CM Punk. Mm-hmm. It's his AWR in particular, him and MJF were creating subtle characters. Punk leaned in, and again, from the time he came back, a big part of his story is I'm a big dick, and a lot of people don't like me. It was what the entire Eddie Kingston feud was about. It was about what large parts of the MJF feud were about. And then MJF was the same way. And you started building sympathy for the MJF character, right? Remember that whole thing he did with the picture of him and Punk when they were kids, when, when MJF yeah. was a kid? This was one of the most fascinating promos they've ever done because both these guys are really good at it. You really started getting into like actual human emotion. And people didn't know how to react. Black people like, well, Punk's clearly going to turn heel. MJF's clearly going to turn babyface because like we don't know how to handle subtlety in pro wrestling because it's so rarely done right. They did it right there. And they wound up having this great that whole be my Valentine thing, where Punk came out to you know the um, the the uh, uh, AFI song that I loved, and I was told I was a, a nerd who should stay masturbating in his basement because <laughs> I thought that was great. I'm a piece of shit. Never forget that. Uh, we don't get that very often. It wasn't melodrama, so that's why I'm hopeful that Punk could. That's a long way for me to come back to this, but I think <laughs> yeah. that. But I think that Punk in the little bits of stuff that he's done can pull off some interesting character moments. Now that's mm-hmm. what I see as a strength of him from a creative side, potentially. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm saying what I've seen and kind of like, because again, you gave me this whole thing and my brain just kind of exploded on the ride home. Now you have concerns that from your background, you know, um, helping shape young leaders that maybe yeah. this wouldn't work so well. Yeah, well, so I, I think we've seen that he lacks something that very important that you would need if you're going to be running a show. It would be leadership skills and management skills and managing the expectations of talent, getting the talent to buy into your ideas, listening to their ideas, and having the wherewithal and the the um, the ability to be able to tweak it and then communicate that effectively. Effective communication is a, is a top component of, of effective leadership, right? Um, now, people will think, oh, well, Tony is Tony Khan's the actual leader there. It's not CM Punk. Well, that's not true. There are different levels of leadership. If CM Punk is, say, the booker or just the main guy on a, on Collision, he's going to have two types of leadership, right? He's going to have position power, and he's going to have personal power. Position power meaning, like, hey, in his position, he's running the creative. The ideas all flow through him. He's going to be saying yes or no. He's going to be tweaking. He's going to be saying, hey, I want this person to, to beat this person. I want this person to lose here. And then we're going to end up culminating the feuds here and there. That takes a, That takes leadership skills. Right. He's going to have to be able to communicate that stuff down. 
right? And that's his position power. He also has personal power, and we've already seen him fail with his personal power already because personal power is one's charisma. It's one's name, who you are, the, the way that they see you. Like he has power over people just by virtue of who he is, the fact that he's so famous that a lot of these kids grew up listening to watching this guy wrestle. A lot of these people wanted to be CM Punk whenever they got older. He has a power over them. Right. And and he has already kind of abused that power with what happened with the Bucks and Omega and, and Hangman and Page. Now, those guys were completely innocent, but he could have absolutely handled those situations very differently. So we're already seeing that he has had some trouble in that area. Now, the man with the, the most power is Tony Khan. He has what's called legitimate power. Right. He's ultimately in charge, meaning CM Punk very likely can't fire anybody. Um for instance, he can't fire Colt Cabana, who still currently works there, right? He, but he could try. He does might he? be able to. He, he, I, he, he people, does he well, work there? Thought, yeah, well, I, I've never seen him, but I get the feeling he's still collecting a paycheck. But, but, but CM Punk, contrary to popular belief, can't fire people, right? He can make suggestions that somebody should be fired, but he doesn't have legitimate power. Tony Khan's the only person in the company that has legitimate power. CM Punk has position power if he becomes the booker, and currently he already has personal power in that company, and, and we've seen the personal power already uh, fall by the wayside. So I have I have questions there. I honestly hope that, A, his ideas for himself are just as good as the ideas that he creates for other people, right? Or I said that backwards. I hope that he has good ideas just as good ideas for other people as he does for himself. Right. And that's going to be a very difficult thing because a lot of people can write for, for a character that they relate to, but it's hard for them to care, write for characters for other people. That takes a different skill set. So I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just curious to see if he's able to do that. And then, and then B, I'm just curious to see if he's going to be able to handle the leadership responsibilities that's going to come with being the top guy on that show. So one thing I think that I, I I don't think you're wrong by any of that, and I think that's that's gonna be the true test. And I think that's why um, if this is to come to fruition, his um, staff is gonna be really important, right? Yeah, the people yeah. he surround the people he is surrounded with, and like Tony Khan's gonna have to like be the boss of boss because like I was thinking about this, I see this the phrase inmates running the asylum. And like that's a really bad thing. We attribute it to WCW, and there's this idea that you know, oh, you can't let the inmates run the asylum. It's this idea that creative people are crazy and irresponsible, and by nature destructive. And I think that's just the dumbest thing in the world because through the vast majority of professional wrestling's history, the Booker has been a talent on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dusty Rhodes booked crockett and it wasn't his fault they went out of business like jim Crockett, it wasn't dusty rose fault that jim crockett couldn't talk to his accountant right <laughs> yeah that's what that's what broke him yeah. you could blame dusty's yeah. booking but all jim crockett had to do is be like hey man this isn't working stop and or like, we're spending way too much money dusty yeah Your ideas are bankrupting us yeah how about and, no and then, how about yes. no that's what i'm saying that's not on dusty <laughs> dusty's job was to create tv so i mean yeah. he, he broke the company but i mean like it really wasn't that Bill Watts, who booked WCW, actually ran Mid South. But like my favorite era of Mid South TV was booked by Bill Dundee, right? Mm-hmm. And he was in the company. He was like low key at the time, but he was in the company. And Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett had this thought that that a Booker's only good for about six months, or for about two years. Excuse me, his Booker's good for about two years, and then he needs a break. Um, as a guy who's done a lot of creative endeavors, 
you kind of expunge what you got and you're kind of tired and need to recharge. So that's yeah. why in Memphis, him and Jerry Lawler and Dundee would switch every six months. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this has, this has happened. Like I said before, Tito Santana was booking WWF in 1986 while he was the intercontinental champion. Like it can be done. So, I mean, like, I think the idea of the inmates running the asylum is something that that people in power put on those beneath them. It's a phrase that like, mm. oh, you know, we can't let the people underneath us have any power. We have to make sure yeah. we justify our position. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I hate I hate hearing those kind of things because it says that people who have power are stupid or people excuse me, people who have creativity are stupid. Well, like you go into any right. movie set, the most creative guy in the set's the director. He's the guy running the show. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think I think it can work. Now, that being said is you have to have a bill, like you. I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm going to get in trouble. You have to have a Bill Watts standing over you to take that will say, no, stop. Yes. Yeah. Right. And can Tony Khan be the Bill Watts? I don't right? know. That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. Tony Khan kind of has a history of hiring, you know, those guys, all their friends. And you know what I mean? And And it's like. I, I I do worry about that. I do worry about the AEW product getting uh getting a bit um diluted. You know what I mean with the, with the two products. But I'm hoping for the best. Um, I think we've uh think we've gone a long gone a long time on the CM Punk topic. Uh, yeah, I want to get to the next topic. Um, so there is another lawsuit out against WWE. One of their former writers uh, filed a lawsuit against WWE, alleging that other writers were making racist pitches in the writer's room. Um, and then ultimately she ended up being fired over stealing a WrestleMania chair of which she was one of many people who took one of those chairs. I'm not saying they stole, but th- that's what she ended up being fired over. One of, one of the pitches, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm laughing because it's absurd. Okay. I'm not laughing because I, I think this was a good idea, but <laughs> it was that, um, and, and I don't think this was a serious pitch, right? I listened to, to Meltzer this morning, and he actually read more into it. He said this specific one sounded like this guy was just being a dick and not making an actual serious pitch for a television angle. But the, one of the ones that's being alleged in the um, in the lawsuit was that one of the writers suggested that Mansoor was behind the 9-11 attacks. Mansoor, who would have been five years old, during 9-11 was behind the, the 9-11 attacks. So um, cra- crazy lawsuit. You know, somebody suggested to me that this might be what sinks uh, Vince. This ain't even going to make the light of day. We're going to forget about this in a couple of days. But uh, this is the least surprising shit I've ever heard. Oh, it, what did we just talk about? Wrestling plays to the <laughs> lowest common denominator. Here you go. Yeah. Like, this is just, this is, it's easy. And like, you got to have other voices in the room. Right. And this is why I don't this is why I don't like the way they do things over there, because a big part of it was the way they were scripting Bianca Belair. Yeah. Right. And a black woman. So they're saying this isn't very good dialogue here. And a bunch of white people are saying, shut up, shut up. You know what I'm talking about? Shut up. Oh, by the way, we're going to make Apollo Crews a Nigerian with giant spear. Yeah. It's like, hey, we just watched Black Panther. Let's do this. Right. And we're going to make him we're going to make him talk with an accent like. Yeah. This is why I just I roll my eyes and people like defend this company for any any reason whatsoever. And it and it's you know it's a bunch of writers just throwing shit against the wall, 
We're coming up with all these mm-hmm. crazy ideas, right? And I'm not going to sit here and say that those guys are just like these horrible racist people because I don't know these guys. But those ideas were bad. Um, yes. But it, and, that, and that's what happens when you get white guys trying to write for for people of other nationalities and gender. They need more representation on their writing staff or they need people to say, hey, you know, because because, hey, you know what? Maybe this might be a little bit racist. Right. Like and then the the, the person throwing out that idea is like, oh, shit, my bad. I didn't even I didn't even think of that. Right. I'm just trying to come up with an idea. You know, I'm just trying to come up mm-hmm. with an idea here, right? Like, say if you're writing a TV show and you're writing it about a drug cartel, chances are the leader of the drug cartel is going to be a Mexican person, right? And a, and if a white person is writing that, you need to make sure that you got somebody there saying, "Hey, guy, don't go too crazy on this stuff. You know, pull pull back a little bit, right?" So it, it's it's w- one of those weird things, but that's why having representation matters, and then also being a mature adult. And when someone calls you out on it, say, oh, you know what? You know, I didn't even see it that way. Can you explain it to me? So that way I understand better. And and that way they can learn from it. But instead, it just sounds like these guys are being dicks about it. Yeah. I, I, some Here's the thing about sometimes, you know, those, a lot of times, and there's a reason why writer's rooms, people cycle in and out of them constantly. is because it's a grueling thing and it's, it can be personal and like, you know, um, I I would much rather work on my own than work with a bunch of people. So I would not I would not function in that environment. But I had this crazy take on this whole thing. Why don't you just let people speak for themselves? There then go. that doesn't happen. But no, we let have to Bianca we have pitch to, ideas. Let let her speak. Let just give her yeah. bullet points and say this is how you're feeling. Go. Because she wouldn't yeah. say anything that could be construed as racist because they're her words. Right. Yeah. So, and I think talent, that's and that's part of the problem. Sorry, you take ahead. the agency. You know, it's like part of the problem is you take the agency away from the talent, and they just become mm. mindless drones. That I like, you do this, okay? I do this. Like, I, and this is why. And again, the downside of that is, and you have this four pillar storyline where none of these guys can speak and shouldn't shouldn't be asked to do what they're being asked to do, right? Yeah. And you don't. There has to be a middle ground between writing out your dialogue and, you know, sink or swim, right? There's got to be a middle ground. The collaboration should be between the talent and the writing crew and the booker, right? Paul, Paul Levesque, right? So the talent should be able to pitch ideas back and forth, right? And be able to speak for themselves. That's the way that it used to be when wrestling was at its peak, or at least WWE was at their peak. Um, but instead, you got a a bunch of these guys just sitting in Stanford in a writing room, pitching all these ideas, um, and and this that's this is what happens when you let these idiots do yeah. this stuff. You know what I mean? You you get these off the wall, harebrained ideas and bad pitches um, that can be construed as racist, uh, whether they knowingly were being racist or not. That's up for debate, and I don't know who these people are, so I'm not going to say or say anything about them. But um, that's the shit that happens when you don't let the talent speak for themselves. Talent come up mm-hmm. with their own ideas, and when you don't have enough representation on your creative staff, um, yeah. that's yeah. So, um, but again, I, I, this isn't going to sink WWE. I don't think it's going to go that far. And, um, it was not the craziest thing I've ever heard about WWE. So Vince McMahon paid off women. He raped and Endeavor yes. was like, Oh, okay. And moved I'll on. Business, I'll do business with that guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, like not, they'll, they'll, you know what they're going to do? They're going to write a check. Cause this is not something that makes them look good. 
Jerry McDivitt's yeah. not like not out there, you know, pounding the pavement about this one. She'll get a check. Please go away. It's what Vince does. It's what he's good at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Jerry Springer. Uh, man, he was. So I don't think people understand the influence that Springer had on professional wrestling. Um, you know, the Attitude Era was a direct result of the popularity of Jerry Springer and Howard Stern in the 90s, right? And I, I fully believe, and I think Vince Russo has told the story. Yeah, he was watching, he was listening to Howard Stern every day and he was watching Jerry Springer. And he's like, why don't we just do that? Those are like the two most popular guys in media right now. Let's be them. And then sure enough, he's bringing those ideas. Vince buys off on it. And next thing you know, we have the biggest boon in wrestling. Um, uh, Springer, his show was just completely wild and he was just a wild guy himself, man. But uh, r- rest in peace, Jerry Springer, man. What, you, what are your thoughts? I have none. I hated that show. <laughs> it was the worst. It was the worst show. It was the worst show in the history of television. Yes. Um, but I did just watch a video of Jerry getting into a fight with the KKK, and I was howling laughing because I remember that from whenever I was a kid. I don't remember that. I remember when Geraldo got a chair to the face from the KKK, but I don't remember. <laughs> like I remember yeah. being a kid. I remember going to see Ringmaster at the theater with my friends, Oof. and they were laughing at it. And I'm like, "This is this is hell. I need new friends." <laughs> yeah his his show was uh it, it was wild man but it was probably the worst show in the history of television that's a statement but it's not one i'm gonna fight you on did you see the um the clip of justin roberts on that show i've seen screen caps of it but mike i'm telling you this i did not watch the jerry springer show <laughs> i in my adult life i have not gone back to watch clips of the jerry springer show <laughs> Oh I, man, I wish I, I I wish I had the clip ready to go, but I don't have it. It's uh it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> was he acting? Because a lot of that stuff is like like pro wrestling it, bullshit. A lot of it's pure bullshit. It was it was definitely a work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is yeah, it was it was definitely a work. Um real quick, uh, we're gonna go to free agency. So uh free agency frenzy, man. Um Naomi, um also known as she's known as Trinity Star now. Is that what they're calling her? I guess. I, I got I thought, I, thought Trinity. Trinity. I, I thought it was Trinity. I thought it was Trinity. Well, I thought it was Trinity Fatu. Well, that's her real her. Trinity Fatu. Yeah, I thought, so. yeah. but Trinity some people are calling her Star. Trinity Star. I, I don't know. Anyway, Naomi. Uh, man, she's headed to Impact Wrestling. This is a huge get for Impact, man. Um, this is um, this is a big deal for a, a pretty small company to get uh, to get a star like Naomi, who who we thought was coveted by all the major players, but it turns out they. That either pat, I think they passed on her. I don't know what if it was her asking price or what, but uh, for some reason she just kept. You know, it's like the NFL draft, right? So tonight, the the quarterback from Kentucky, Will Levis, they thought he was going to go number four in the draft, right? I came up here and we were, they were already in the mid twenties, and that kid still wasn't off the board. There's something going on that we don't know about. So this guy kept falling down on the draft board, and I think that's kind of what happened to to Naomi. Wasn't that Thurman Thomas in the 80s was a famous one, a running back who slipped way into the second round, wound up having a really good career. So that can happen. Aaron Aaron Rodgers went to number 30. Yeah. To the Packers. Yeah. Became one of the greats of all time. So this is what I hear. And I'm not, I'm no names of where I'm hearing things from. Um, Remember there was a lot of talk. Oh, they're going to come back. Sasha and Naomi, they're going to come back. Yeah. They were offered like, I don't know about Sasha, but less money was offered than what yeah. they had before. So they balked and then apparently I don't know, it doesn't seem I don't 
our impact friends are going to hate me. Um, it's just, it seems like this is a, this is the landing spot, which is great for impact. I think she's going to raise yeah. impacts profile. Cause she's got fans. I don't know. how. I just don't know who, who, I don't think there's a lot of like stars that matter all that much to TV ratings. I don't, yeah. I like to be proven wrong, but it seems like like she got she could have a little bit of a chip on her shoulder and wants to prove because I think that the the major companies didn't see it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's not there and and she's at Impact. You would assume that she'd rather be in front of you know more people with more money, but she's in yeah. Impact with less people. And I don't know if she's getting less money. I can't speak to that. But no, I don't know about that. Watching. Yeah. But I mean, like, hope so. Hopefully, her attitude is going to be like, I'm going to be the focus of this show. I'm going to prove to everyone why I am what I think I am. Like, this is a really gamble on yourself kind of moment, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, this is where people either step up or step out. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm excited for Naomi. I'm excited for Impact. Um, I think this is a big get for them. Their, um, their women's division is looking pretty strong right now because, you know, I know we talked last week, Jordan Grace was uh, becoming a free agent, but she's on the upcoming tapings and she got a big victory over Masha Slamovich tonight. So something tells me she's sticking around there for a, at least a little while. Um, I, I don't know how, how much longer, but she's there for at least a little while. But, you know, you get Diona, Masha, yeah, Mickey James should be coming back. They just signed Jody Threat. They got Kyle and King. And uh, now Naomi, they're they're starting to get more and more uh, talented women on the roster. And I think this is, if you like women's wrestling, Impact Wrestling is going to be a um, a place to go. If you don't like witches, um, probably not go watch Impact Wrestling. But if you like some, but uh, if you can get over the witch part uh, and watch some talented women wrestle, I think that's good. You know, people might say that um, this is beneath Naomi. I don't think that it is because this was the deal she could get. Right. And, and like, and and like, um, if you're a pro wrestler, no company is beneath you, right? You don't lower yourself to anybody. You bring them up to you. Right. And so if you're going to, if she's going to go into impact, um, where she's going to be seen by a lot less people, what she needs to do is continue to hone her craft, rebuild, rebrand, and make herself into a more marketable star. And we have we had an impact podcast for two years, and we watched a lot of talents do that, right? They they worked themselves back into a WWE contract. Um, several women, Chelsea Green and Mia Yim, just did that, right? Taya Valkyrie just came through here, just got herself a contract with AEW. AEW seemingly passed on her first, and boom, here she is. She's she's in AEW. So um, this is a place where you can do those types of things, and she needs to go into it with that kind of attitude. If you're willing to fight and work because we've yes. also seen people that come here and really aren't interested in doing anything and just kind of, Oh, I'm here in impact now. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and kind of just fade into the scenery and I'm not going to mm. name Dango names, but I'm like, yeah, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen it a few times. So yeah, we've yeah. got a, we had some con artists coming yeah. into Impact, uh, yeah. just uh, existing off of their former WWE names, essentially stealing money. Um, but if Naomi wants to get a big payday by one of those big companies, she needs to to come in here and hustle and grind and embrace what Impact has to offer. There are a lot of creative people in Impact, and you can absolutely have a ton of high-quality matches in Impact Wrestling if you're a female star, 100%. Yes. 
Um, and I, I think, I think this is a place that will focus on her. They will treat her like she's a big deal. They've already started that process by the tease. They teased a major surprise for Friday Mm -hmm. night. Once they teased the major surprise, they started selling a lot more tickets. And then of course, Mike Johnson of PW insider leaked the surprise, which was strategic by impact because impact wants it known. This is one of those worst kept secret types of deals um, Mm -hmm. that we've seen AEW do a bunch of times, right? It's the, it's the surprise we all know coming. Um, uh, and I, I think that's was here and, uh, you know, good job on impact and uh, I hope it works out for Naomi. So uh, I, hope, kudos to her. I hope she's able to reinvent herself a little bit and not just try to do the same stuff she was doing in WWE. Like we see, uh, Mercedes, um, I think she's, she's doing a different thing. I don't think she's quite Sasha Banks. It's not a departure, but it's, I think it's she's an- doing something different, you know? She's updated the character, but yeah, that's the, thing, the so the difference is with a with a Mercedes Monet Sasha Banks, um, you know she was really over, <laughs> yeah, with that character. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so she's going she's going to New Japan. So she doesn't want to completely abandon that character because that's been working for her. She just needs to make some updates to it, which she has done the wardrobe and the name and the music and some some of the mannerisms. She's got a couple new moves, but with someone like fucking fandango like he wasn't over what he was doing wasn't working but he still brought that to the smaller company hoping that he can get by doing that instead of using this time to be able to refresh rebrand and rebuild his character he did it the lazy way right same with big con same with fucking santino and these other cats that are going over there so it's uh there there are different ways to handle it you can be steve macklin Mm-hmm. Right, you can be Mercedes Monet, or you Drew can be Galloway. Is the one Drew that Galloway. Point out. It's the perfect example. He completely mm-hmm. rebuilt himself, and and he was in the old TNA. And I have the ratings, folks. I have the documents. I have the numbers. Destination America wasn't really doing too much better, or so much better than what they're doing right now on Access. And in fact, uh, right now on Access, they're in a better spot than they were in Destination America. They had more people watching back then. It was a different time in television. But they were also filming in that studio with about 17 people, right? Impact right now is touring around, and they're getting four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, I think they had 1,000 people at a show earlier this year. So mm-hmm. right now, if you're a Naomi, I think this is the perfect spot for her. No, I, I agree. Like I said, she's got an opportunity. I think she, if I'm her, because she kind of made a – she gambled. Right. She yeah. gambled with her friend. Her friend oh. kind of made an impact, <laughs> made an impact, so to say. And she uh, she didn't get those opportunities. Yeah. But now she's got one and it's going to be like, OK, what are you going to do with the because impact? You said Impact's going to shine a big spotlight on her. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious to see what happens. Really Same curious. here. Man, Roderick Strong debuted on AEW last night out what of shock. nowhere. Dude, nobody in this business can keep a secret, but all of a sudden they keep this one. I know. How did that happen? <laughs> How did WWE not release a press release saying, yeah, we thank Roddy for his three, four years of service. Good luck. Yeah. They've been doing it to everybody now. They talk about those things. How they let that? How did that stay? I mean, when you think about it, the jump makes complete sense. His wife is there. His yeah. friend is there. He wanted to come here. I know. Our buddy Scott thinks he was being perfectly used in WWE, sitting <laughs> home watching television. That's he hasn't like the been perfect on TV in a year. In yeah. a year, Scott's go. Oh, that's the perfect user. He was perfect at NXT, not on the show every week. That's like <laughs> Miro. Miro's being perfectly used in AEW yeah. right now by not right. being there. Like you know, same right. same argument. I love you, Scott. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
It's a good pickup for them. <laughs> it, it is. I, um, you know, Roddy's been around a long time. He was in TNA. He had a long run in uh, Ring of Honor, and uh, mm-hmm. of course, I thought he had a really good run in NXT before yeah. Undisputed Era eventually broke up. And then he he tried to do that Shooters Club, and it just didn't work out. And then they, they fired NXT. everybody. They I know. And then everybody. They, and then they went to NXT 2.0, and then he was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Well, they fired his wife, and he was like. I'm out of here. I, I don't want anything to do with this. But, um, you know, he's been sitting at home for, what, a year, year and a half? Like a, at least a year. Like, yeah. um, it's, fu- it's funny. Bobby Fish all of a sudden wants back in AW. After, <laughs> yeah. after, you know, it's funny how that Crazy. works out. You know what? I, I, wish, I, I wish I could call Scott Demore right now. Because, honestly, it would be the perfect thing for Impact to do. It would be to bring Bobby Fish to Impact this weekend because the Undisputed Era people are in the news right now and everybody's making Bobby Fish jokes. Just roll with it. Just bring the guy in. You know what I mean? Where, where's <laughs> like, the lie? Yeah, where's the lie? He should be selling where's the lie t-shirts. He really he should. should. Be, that was a thing he, a year ago. He really let it, that go and he should have done something with it. He needs to be where's it. the lie with the fish symbol. With the fish, yeah. Yeah, and then he needs to show up in Impact Wrestling, and the guy can have good matches. Like Bobby Fish yeah. can fucking work. He's he's really good. Can't cut a promo, right? Dude, he's, nor should he. No, but you know he could come in and work some matches and sell some gimmicks. Uh, I I think you know he could be Johnny Swinger's tag team partner. Let's do it. But um, <laughs> I'd watch that. that would be but funny. Uh, yeah, Roderick Strong, man. I dude, I I didn't even know he was a free agent. Uh, he never got. We never heard of a release. You know, you would think that at least somebody in WWE, most likely knowing that he would end up in NXT, would have, you know, leaked the message to somebody. And then, um, but nobody from NXT or AEW spilled the beans. I think that's the most incredible part of this. Roderick Strong, really good wrestler, not going to sell a goddamn ticket. I love Roderick Strong, really good wrestler. No one cares about him. But no, I think he's you know, I think he's there to prop up Adam Cole, though. Yes, he and and heels are going to get heat on on Roddy, and Adam Cole's going to come defend him, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to get some tag. And then when Kyle O'Reilly comes back, then we'll get kind of a version of Red Dragon, Undisputed Era with mm-hmm. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Um, Roderick Strong doesn't put butts in seats, doesn't get eyeballs, but he's a very good wrestler, and I like him a lot, and I'm glad that mm-hmm. he's in AEW because he has not, really good matches. Not everybody who gets a job. In a wrestling company, should be viewed as that. Well, can this person sell a ticket? No, right. I mean, realistically, realistically, the uh, there's only a handful of people who sell tickets on their own. Brands sell tickets. Performers yeah. don't sell tickets anymore. Yeah, it's like your your top ten in each company yeah. are probably going to be the ones that move can if move that. numbers a, a little bit here and there, but for the most part, it's the logo, right? Yeah. Ten, if that, I'd say maybe like three, four tops. Yeah. Um, um, more free agency news. Uh, Will Osprey, his contract, I think, is coming up at the end of this year or early, early next year. Um, he said that he wants to renew with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, but uh, you know, WWE and uh, AEW are gonna come calling, man. I I'm gonna have a real hard time seeing him not. Not if he if he signs with AEW, then he can stick with New Japan. If he goes to WWE, he can be Bill Ocean Spray or something like that. Like <laughs> Billy Ocean, isn't that a really uh, singer? Caribbean isn't Dream, singer? No, no, uh, Caribbean Queen. Now we're sharing the same dream. Yes, Billy Ocean. <laughs> um, I had to think about that. I, yeah. I'm gonna have a real hard time seeing him full time in New Japan in a year. I know. Yeah. I know. I love that people always like try to like. Well, you know, it's better for him to do this. Or it's better. You don't. We don't know these people. 
right? Yeah. We don't know what they want to do. Like you, he's going to have wanna, a lot of money thrown at him in the year. You, you want to know? You want to hear a controversial take? Lay it on me. I think the best place for him is WWE. Because his his body is breaking down, mm-hmm. and he needs to slow it down, and he needs to go to a place where he can get away with doing just a few cool moves a match. Right now, they work a lot more, but I think medically they'll take the best care of him, and he could prolong his career in WWE. The guy's only thirty, and he's had a lot of injuries of late. And he said it on his video that he released on Twitter that his body's breaking down. Um, and we, you know, we saw that happen with Shinsuke Nakamura, right? Like he he was a, he was older when he went to WWE. He was like what 35, 36 yeah, when 36. he eventually went over there. And then he came in, and he was not the Shinsuke that we saw in New Japan because he just couldn't be. And it was like, oh, that's why he went there, because mm-hmm. he couldn't be that guy anymore. You know, Will Ospreay might only have a couple of years where he's actually still being Will Ospreay because of the toll that his body is taking. Um, but his character work and his promos have gotten so freaking good in New Japan. I really think that he would be an asset to WWE. I, I think they should make a big play for him, bring him over, slow his ass down a little bit, and he can be a big star. I would be very, very surprised if they don't go all in on trying to sign Will Ospreay. He's going to have to reprogram himself a little bit, and he's very much one of these um, the Omega types where you are a bit of a starving artist. Yeah. So I could see him wanting to do AEW just because he'd have a little bit more freedom to be Will Ospreay. But that's going to come down to it, man. I mean, he's going to get good, especially because it's going to be post-AEW money deal, which is coming. So both companies, I, I mean, Maxwell Friedman's War of 24 thing, I think the real one's going to be for Will Ospreay. I really mm-hmm. do. Like, yeah. And good to him. He's probably the best wrestler in the world right now. I, I think he's got an argument, you know. There, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of people that got that argument, but I'd put him right at the top. The man doesn't have bad matches. Like, no. That's I, I think like the Orange Cassidy revitalization that's happened started at Forbidden Door last year when everybody went, "Holy shit, that was a great match," yeah. you know. And I think yeah. people had forgotten he OC had really gotten into his gimmick. Right, people were really seeing just the gimmick, and now he's being leaned on by AEW just to have phenomenal matches every single week. Right, he's really helping that show out, and I really think that whole thing really got jump started again with Will Ospreay because Will Ospreay can have a good match with any, uh, not a good match. Will Ospreay can have an amazing match with just about anybody. Yeah. Um, what's up, what's up with this movie called Craven? It's a Marvel movie. You wanted to talk about it. What's what's this whole thing? I I've never heard of Craven. Craven the Hunter is a uh, 60s era Spider-Man character whose gimmick is he's a Russian big game hunter. And he's come to New York to hunt Spider-Man. And he has, I'm serious. So, okay. In 1986, they, uh, J.M. DeMattis wrote a story called Craven's Last Hunt. And Craven has decided that he is going to kill Spider-Man. So what he does instead is he he successfully captures Spider-Man and he buries him alive. So a good chunk of this issue of these books is Spider-Man literally trying to claw his way out of the grave and through the dirt while Craven has become the new Spider-Man. <laughs> to prove to prove to Spider-Man that I am better than you at everything you do. And the story ends when Spidey gets free and he goes to find Craven and Craven blows his brains out with a shotgun himself. He commits suicide. That's the end of the story. It is one of the great, I'm, I'm serious. Mike, it's one of the honestly, honest to God, one of the best comic book stories ever written. 
It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. That is the only interesting the character the character has done in 40 years. They made Marvel is so in love with this story. They gave him three children that we didn't know existed, and they kept bringing them in. Oh, this is Craven's other kid, and this is Craven's other kid, and this is Craven's other kid, and it keeps happening. And none of them are interesting. None of them are good. And finally, about six years, no, probably about, 15, about twelve years ago, they brought him back from the dead, and he's done nothing of any interest since then. He's not a good character. He's a character who has a good story, and the story wasn't even written for him. Dematis had this idea, then he just kind of plugged it in and used Craven. Like, and now they're gonna make a Craven movie without Spider-Man. It's gonna be terrible. Gonna be <laughs> so terrible. they're just they're just taking this character, and then are they gonna create a new story based off of this character, just omitting Spider-Man altogether, or are they gonna do a series of movies where eventually Spider-Man like he's like, oh fuck it, now I'm pissed at Spider-Man. We got two Venom movies that haven't seen a single spider. I, I yeah, well, I, I haven't seen a single Venom movie. Are those any good? No. Okay, yeah, because I they didn't look that good to me. It was Tom Hardy they, that's in those movies. Tom right? Hardy and the Morbius movie. Like Sony Sony has the, the Spider-Man library, but they can't make a Spider-Man movie right, so they had to go to Marvel to help them make Spider-Man. The, the Tom Holland Spider-Mans are really good. Yeah, but they still keep trying to make money up the Spider-Man train. So they've taken all these ancillary characters and tried to make movies about them. None of them are good. They're all bad. They yeah. suck. And this is going to be another another sucky ass movie. You know what? I, I you guys probably won't enjoy it because you guys are like like you and Jeremy. You're like in, nerds, in the Josiah. Well, I would say hardcore fans of Batman. But I watched I watched a movie over the weekend, uh, a new Batman animated film called uh, Batman when Doom is it called When Doom Came to Gotham, that the Doom that came to Gotham. Big now, fan. It, it, I I liked the movie. Did you watch the movie? I read the comic. Okay, so it's like set in the 1920s, right? And like Batman is. Like he had left. I'm not going to spoil the movie, so don't think I'm going to do that. But anyway, he, he ends up leaving Gotham. He takes he's doing this exploring thing. He's like in Antarctica or something like that. He's looking for Mr. Penguin. And then he, he ends up coming back and like these evil spirits have taken over Gotham. Um, and Mike, there's like a new take on a lot of the characters that, you know, and love from the Batman series. They have their like their own spin on them. I, I had never seen before. Are you familiar with a writer by the name of H.P. Lovecraft? No. Okay, so Lovecraft so, was. Would, this is a book that no, is basic. Oh, this story is actually a take on a famous Lovecraft, a semi-famous Lovecraft book. Lovecraft is kind of like this—the godfather of modern-day horror. He was this pulp writer in the twenties and thirties. Uh, Cthulhu. Are you familiar with the the great elder god Cthulhu, the giant octopus face thing? <laughs> so, so Jeremy was making jokes about Lovecraft and Cthulhu. I thought Cthulhu. He was talking about a Metallica song. That's where it's from. The song, <laughs> okay, famous okay. love, the call, the, the yeah. call of Cthulhu. That Metallica okay. song comes from one of Lovecraft's most famous books. Um, you've seen the Evil Dead movies, the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. That is yes. from Lovecraft. Lovecraft wrote cosmic horror. This idea that what exists in space is old, it's evil, and it's indifferent to our existence. Like it's so bold, it's so big, it's so vast that we are insignificant in the face of it. And if you look into it, if you were to look into these elder gods, you would go crazy. 
right? That's kind of like the, the overarching theme of all Lovecraft's work. And this is a Batman story firmly planted in, in that world. Cause like the doom, there's a book called the doom that came to something. And I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but Lovecraft had Arkham was one of his cities. So there's lots oh, of Batman okay. influence from Lovecraft. Like, like there's so many, every horror writer has stolen shamelessly from Lovecraft guilty. Um, it's in, he honestly, not a great writer, big idea guy, big, big idea guy, terrible, terrible, terrible prose. So this Batman was very much a horror movie. Oh yeah. Horror. Um, Love. Yeah. Like, cause the, the villains in this, they were like scary ass monsters. I was not prepared for what I was about to see because I, and I, and I like Batman, but they're typically action thrillers. But this mm-hmm. was a straight up horror movie, and I was like, "This is awesome!" I just have to make sure that my daughter doesn't catch me watching it because she, when she sees animated movies, she associates it with kids' movies. So naturally, she thinks I'm watching a kids' movie and would want to watch it. So I have to get off of the show immediately and make sure she doesn't actually click on it because these bastards in this movie were scary as hell. Yeah, I can't let my kid watch Batman Ninja Turtles movie because. Batman and Ninja Turtles are mowing motherfuckers down left and right the whole fucking time. So, I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's, I can't quite, like, I didn't, was surprised by that one. But, like, what's cool about DC Comics is they have these things called Elseworlds. They have this big multiverse where they have, like, you can tell a Batman story, but you can take the characters and put them into another place. The very first one is called Gotham by Gaslight. It's Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Right. And then it oh, takes wow. place in the 1900s. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And, and, and that's a movie? This- there is a movie now too. There is a Gotham by Gaslight movie, but it started with this comic called Gotham by Batman Gotham by Gaslight. And it launched this I'm whole Elseworlds series where you have these like, this is what's cool about DC. You can't get away with this in Marvel. You can only do this in DC where you take these like root characters and you firmly plant them in another, another world, another universe. And they can still stay the same, but they're so different. And there's a lot of them are Batman because Batman's such a ubiquitous right. character. That conflict. There's one called Mask, where Batman's basically uh, Mask with a Q, uh, where Batman's basically the Phantom of the Opera. That was fun. <laughs> like, there's tons of those. Tons. There's Batman versus Alien, Batman versus Predator, are all like in the same in this in these Elseworlds universes. Like, this is uh, there's some cool stuff, man. Some real cool stuff in there. Yeah, man, you could go down a big, big Batman. I live hole. in these rabbit holes, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. But hey, uh, hey, guys, I think that's good. Unless JD, you got anything else for the for the uh, for the people tonight? I have, I have a thing, but I'm gonna hold okay. it for a week to talk about because okay. Brian Alvarez went off in the Performance Center today in their training, and I'm having a conversation with a, a guy I know uh, who's at the. And I want to save it because I don't want to rush it. But I'm gonna, I want to come you. back this next week. Yeah, I got you. And we will not uh, talk about who that is. But I yeah. think I know who. Well, protect my but, uh, protect my sources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, well, next week JD is going to have exclusive insight into the NXT Performance Center that WWE has. He's uh, by, and he's actually talking to somebody that's currently there. So um, that's exciting. So stay tuned next week for all of that. And until then. Mahalo. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.